you would speak to our hearts. So right now, I just give you an opportunity to pray right there in the silence of your heart. God, speak to me right at my point of need. Even what I don't realize, Lord, just speak as only you can. So I open my heart, my mind, my soul to you, Jesus. I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word to speak to my heart, oh God. Help me just to remove all distractions out of my mind and just to focus in on you and your word this morning, oh God. God, I pray that you'll just help me to be faithful to the text, that you'll speak through me, God. These will not be my words, but God, that your word and your power would overflow into every aspect of what happens here in these next minutes. So we hand it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And yeah, so we know that a lot of you guys are watching online this morning, so just want you to know that we love you. We want to ask you to do something just as you're watching online right now, just just type in hello or something like that. So I know a lot of people we've got, um, some people that have been exposed and they had to be at home this month, this morning. I know that I saw that Chuck, that he's online. I miss Chuck. He's usually sitting right here, one of our elders. He had a, he's self-quarantined and he's always sitting here. And he, when he says, oh, that's good. Amen, I like that. So I miss that encouragement as he's here. So Chuck, we miss your brother and all the others that are there. We love you and we, we're so glad that you're joining us here online this morning. If those of you that are here right now, you know, don't want to overlook you as well. Good to see you this morning all spread out, and you, I know that the joy of the Lord is filling your heart this morning, and you're glad to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Y'all are laughing at me for some reason. All right. So a 2020 kind of Christmas. Man, what a year this has been this past year, huh? I mean, man, we have been through some ups and downs, and in a, in a year whenever a lot of our comforts have been taken away from us, something very interesting has happened. Matter of fact, I think it was just this last Sunday, or maybe the Sunday before, I was out in the foyer, and I had some people tell me that 2020 was the best year they had ever experienced. For some people, it's been terrible, and for some people, it's been really, really good. I, you know, I was looking back um, just at some of our stuff that went out through the early part of the year, about like uh, March, April and March, around that era, right, right around April, we started putting out videos, about four and five teaching videos a day. And it got to the point to where like, if there wasn't over 600 to 800 views and within two days, we felt like it wasn't doing very good. So people were tuned in to spiritual things like never before. So although from a worldly perspective, as far as, you know, what's happened in this world, man, I mean, it has been a rough year, no doubt about that. But I would maybe argue from a spiritual standpoint, though, that it seems like whenever a lot of our comforts get stripped away, whenever we're put into mind, all of a sudden, then we start tuning into God like we never have before. So I rejoice over that this morning. So a 2020 kind of Christmas is interesting because as I study the first Christmas, it reminds me a lot of this year and maybe this Christmas for some people. Think about this with me for just a moment. Let's think about hope for a minute. From a Christian perspective, this is. Hope is the confident affirmation that God is faithful. So I just want to ask you this morning, do you believe that God is faithful? Regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how bad things may get, regardless of even when I pray for something over and over and over again, and it doesn't happen, that I still believe that God is faithful. Continue reading. That he will complete what he has begun. And I'm going to ask you this morning, do you believe that he will complete what he has begun? Not only in your life, but also as far as this whole world is concerned. So this morning, I want to start off with Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at um, Mary here in just a moment. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So let's think about this for a moment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's easier said than done, by the way. It's easy to say that sitting here in church on Sunday morning. But man, Monday through Saturday, when life falls apart, trusting in the Lord with all of my heart, that's not so easy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on working things out the way that you think they should. Don't get all caught up in the fact that everything has got to be under your control, that it's got to work out the way that you think is best. You do realize that God is constantly saving you from you, right? From your good decisions, from your, 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 all the things that, that you want to do and the things that you want to work out. So many times, God has to save you from you. 
Because your best laid plans sometimes can destroy your life. So God has to rescue you from yourself. So here it is. So think about this. So with that verse, we very rarely move on to the next verse. Look at this next verse. Seek his will in all you do. So God, as I think about this, what's the decision that you're making right now? So Lord, in this decision, if this is not what's best for our eternal best, would you not allow this to work out? But would you not allow me to do this thing? If it's, if it's not what's best for air, all things considered in eternity, would you not allow this to happen? Would you block me? Would you show me? Would you turn me? Would you guide me? See, because if I seek his will and all you do, and he will show you which path to take. How many of y'all ever went down the wrong path? About 100% of us, right? We all at one point or another, we have went down the wrong path. And we're going down the path, we're like, man, we got regrets. We wish we could go back and redo that, undo that. Well, I mean, listen, this is, here's what I want. I don't know, maybe you, maybe you agree with this. I want to be rescued from my next regret. Is anybody with me on that? I mean, God, I need you to rescue me from my next greatest regret. How many times have you made decisions thinking, oh, this is wonderful, and then whenever you get into it, maybe a few weeks, a few months, or a few years, it turns out to be quite the opposite than wonderful. Because you and I, we, we, are, we are making decisions based on what we see and what we feel and our emotions so many times. And listen, sometimes it's so hard to be in tune with the Spirit of God and make decisions according to what is best for His will for my life. Because listen, I'm just be honest, sometimes I don't feel it. It's okay, man. I know we're in church on Sunday morning. We're not supposed to say that, but it's okay. Sometimes I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes I'm just not feeling the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm, not, I'm in church and I'm just not feeling it. So man, God, listen. Irregardless of the way I feel, I need you to rescue me from me. Luke chapter 1. I just want to give, this is, this is, there are 20 verses of background. So I'll do my best to work through this quickly. During the reign of Herod, which you have to understand, whenever a Jewish read this in the first century, and they said that, when they said during the reign of Herod, that, that made them cringe. Herod if you remember the story of Herod, Herod's the one that whenever, whenever the, the wise man came into town, they said, hey, there's a, there's a king that's been born, king of the Jews. He brought him in. He said, oh, yeah, so when was he born? And when they gave him the date, he said, all right, so he went and killed all of the male Jewish boys that had been born two years old and younger, had them executed. So whenever a Jewish person was reading Luke here, chapter 1, verse 5, and it said during the reign, they, they would cringe, oh, king of Judea, there lived a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abeha, and he had a wife named Elizabeth who was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous in the sight of God, following all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. And that says a lot. But, ah, oh, wait a second, they did everything right, but things weren't working out. We say that all the time. When that little word right there, when you see that in the Bible, pay close attention. They were doing everything right, but the most important thing for them, they did not have a child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both very, oh, this was a disgrace, by the way. In their time, in their culture for Elizabeth, it was a disgrace not to have children. So at the forefront of their prayers every day, no doubt, God, give us a child. God, give us a child. And, and look at what it says. It said they were, they, they were blameless. They followed the Lord with all of their heart. They were doing everything right, but things were not. Listen, their main number one prayer was not getting answered. So I don't know where you are this morning, my friend. Maybe you're there. Maybe you have prayed for something for years and years, and instead of it getting better, it got worse. I mean, listen, I want to, you have to understand something. It isn't that you are forsaken by God. It isn't that God doesn't hear you. It, it, you see, God says yes, God says no, and God says later. And it was not time yet. It was not time for Elizabeth to have a child. Because you know who her child is going to be, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has to be at the right time because he's going to be the forerunner to who? To Jesus, the Messiah. 
So it's all based on on God's timeline and not Elizabeth's. Just like with some of the prayers you're praying right now, it's not based on your timeline. Because God knows what's best for you. He knows when it's best to give you what is best for you. And he knows when it's time to hold back. Now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the holy place of the Lord and burn incense. Now, the whole crowd of people were praying outside at the hour of the incense offering because that's what burning the incense was all about, symbolic of praying to God. So they had a serious prayer going on in there. An angel of the Lord, look at this, it's already standing. In the Greek, you would see this. It was already standing there on the right side of the altar of incense. All of a sudden, though, it was made to where it appeared to him. So it wasn't like the angel showed up. Don't misunderstand that. The angel was always there. It's just that all of a sudden, evidently, God removed the veil between what is here in the physical and what is there in the spiritual. And he saw that. By the way, everybody we see in the Bible who all of a sudden sees an angel, it terrifies them. Just take note of that. And Zechariah, visibly shaken when he saw the angel, was seized with fear. Not to mention, I mean, you ever had somebody sneak up on you? I mean, there's kind of that, that aspect of it, too. All of a sudden, boom, there appears an angel you didn't know was there. But the angel said to him, that number one command from Jesus, and here comes from the angel, do not be afraid. Because you see, i got to talk to you about something this morning. We're going to talk to you about your doubts. And I want to tell you something. You can have the right kind of doubts, and you can have the wrong kind of doubts. But more importantly, the Bible never says, listen to me, you will find nowhere in the Bible where it says, never doubt. But you'll see over and over again where it says, do not be afraid. See, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer. See, that singular, this is that one prayer they've been praying all this time. It has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Joy and gladness will come to you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting thing. As I read this, I never thought about this, but as I was reading this this week, in Ephesians it says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here it says, He must never drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just side note there, just think about that. Even before his birth. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go as a forerunner before the Lord and the Spirit and the power of Elijah. Just a little side note here also. And the Spirit of the power. See, what we would say today is we'd say he has the natural disposition of Elijah in biblical language. As far as the Spirit is concerned, he has the Spirit and the power of Elijah. Some of you are like, man, my children, my son, he's got my disposition. Well, if we were going to talk about this from a biblical perspective, we'd say he has that same spirit. And the Bible talks about a familiar spirit also. Okay? That's a whole other sermon. I just opened up a can of worms right there. I mean, I might get some emails, some questions on that one, and that's okay. But just let me let's get to know this. There is a spiritual, everything that you experience in the physical realm, there is always a spiritual underlying element that is there, okay? Don't ever discount that. So he was born, and as a matter of fact, the Bible said that Elijah had to come before Jesus, and this is it, John the Baptist, he has the spirit of Elijah, okay? So to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready the Lord, a people prepared for him, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? (laughs) Wrong question. Okay? Now listen, brother, you got an angel standing right there in front of you. Okay? An angel just came and gave you a message. The wrong answer is, how can I be sure of this? Okay? That's the wrong wrong thing to say at this point. This This is the wrong kind of doubt. See, the wrong kind of doubt is a prideful doubt. It is a critical doubt. It is a doubt that's like, listen, there is no empirical evidence. There is no scientific way this can be possible. So I can't believe it. You do realize something that God created science. God created all the elements and they all obey him. And whenever, listen, Jesus wants to walk on water, then all of a sudden those water molecules, they go from liquid to solid right under his feet because he's in control of everything. 
So listen, God does not have to obey science. Science has to obey God because he's the one that created it, okay? There's no division between God and science, by the way. God created it, and it's all going to obey him. It's that simple. So here's what looks at this. How can I be sure of this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is old as well. I can imagine the angel listening to this, okay? Oh, you're an old man. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm only a couple of gajillion years old. How old are you, 70? Yeah, you're really old, brother. Oh, wait, wait a second. I got to go back up to God and check on things. Go back to God. Hey, God, listen, are you sure? Because they're old. This can't be happening to old people. So, I mean, do you see how I'm, I'm, I'm showing you how ridiculous this is for him to be like, you know. So what he's saying is, is this is not following the natural pattern of life that I'm used to. And you do realize something that God so many times is going to lead you outside the natural pattern of things. So, so, so you won't back up and be like, oh, wow, we got luckier, we got smarter, we're cool, or we're slick. You'll back up and be like, the only one explanation for this, God just did this. Yeah. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Only two angels named themselves in the Bible. These are high-ranking angels. So pretty much what he's saying is, I'm one of the top angels. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Man, I got good stuff for you. Then this was, you should have been rejoicing and happy and thankful. But instead, you got doubting. You got critical on me. You got prideful on me. And now, because you did not believe my words. You see this? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, irregardless of what he thinks or he does. God's going to fulfill his work because God's faithful. You will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. And let me just throw this out. If you want to have influence as far as God is concerned, then one way to undermine that influence is to become prideful. One way to undermine that is to become doubtful. If you've got doubtful pride, then, then let me do, I'll, just, I'll just make this very simple and very clear. It is obvious that God will decrease your influence. If listen, if you want to have more influence as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, then there's the, the, the road to that is the road of humility. Anytime we become prideful and we think it's about us or we make it about us, then here's what I can promise you this much. Your influence will decrease rapidly. So if you want to have an influence over people, you're thinking, man, why won't these people listen to me? Why do I have no influence over them? Then I got to ask myself, this first question I ask myself, am I being prideful? Is there pride in me? Is there arrogance in me? Because that's how God will remove influence from any of us. He becomes quiet. God's not going to allow him to spread that doubt and that stuff. Uh, wow, he's not, that, you realize that's why God made him silent, because he, he can't go spread the doubt. Now the people who are waiting for Zechariah, and they began to wonder, why is he delayed in the holy place? Man, it's taken him a long time. When he came out, he was not able to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs and he was playing the first, he was the first one to play charades by the time, by the way. He was making signs to them and remained unable to speak. I would love to see that. You know, if we get to watch videos in heaven, I want to see the video of that. And he comes out and he's making the signs and they're like trying to figure out what he's doing. When his time of service was over, he went to his home. After some time, his wife Elizabeth came pregnant. And for five months, she kept herself in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me at the time when he has been gracious to me to take away my disgrace among the people. So here's the interesting thing. There's two births in the story. One birth is going to remove disgrace and one birth is going to bring disgrace to the mother. So here we are. Here's Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth, that may not mean anything to you, but here's what you understand. Nazareth, at the time that Jesus was born, there was about 400 people in population there. That's one well. Matter of fact, today it's still there. One well where they, it's just where they draw water from. Here's the thing. It was in the northern territory of Israel, right on the very border of Gentile. There was a Roman garrison just outside of Nazareth. Nazareth is where the backwoods podunk people live. Their, you know, their dialect wasn't fully developed. 
You know what I mean? Like the people probably from the southern part of Israel couldn't hardly understand what they were saying because their dialect was off. I mean, they were uneducated, backwoods people. I mean, they were looked down upon heavily. Why is this important? Why on earth would God choose a backwoods podunk town and a girl that's probably between the ages of 12 and 14 years old. See, they were able to get engaged at 12 years old in this culture, and they would go into a, a time of, um, of, of uh, being in a covenant relationship with their future husband for one year before their actual marriage would happen. Is that weird to y'all? That's young. 12 years old. And, and then they would, you know, there would be an engagement for one year, and then they would be married at 13 for many of them. So, you know, Bible scholars all agree that Mary very well could have been anywhere between 12 and 14 at the most. That makes me think about the story we just read a few weeks ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the teenage boys. And here we've got, man, their, their faith that they had in Daniel. They were all teenage boys in a distant land in Babylon and the mighty faith that they had. And now we come across maybe even a preteen girl and the faith that she's going to demonstrate to us this morning. Don't ever, listen, don't ever look at yourself and go, I'm a nobody from a nowhere. I have, listen, there's no way God could use me. See, I want to tell you something. That's where God specializes in the nobodies from nowhere, the people that aren't, evaluate, that aren't elevating themselves, the people that God elevates, and it's all about him and not about them. So don't be discouraged this morning and think that you're a no, that's a lie. Listen, God created you. He created you in his own image. You do realize that, right? You bear the image of God. God can use you irregardless of your past, who you are, where you've been, where you're going. It doesn't matter. All that matters are you humbly going to allow God to do what only God can do in and through your life. So from Nazareth, a village, not even a town, a village. And God, interesting thing about this is that when you go back in Isaiah chapter 9, there wasn't even a Nazareth in existence. And this is a prophecy 600 years before Jesus is born. If you've never read Isaiah chapter 9, you need to read that this Christmas season. Filled with prophecy 600 years before the birth of Christ. All about the prophecy of the birth of Christ. Look at what it says. Nevertheless, one verse we'll read here. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's good news for you this morning. The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's a promise that rose over to us today, by the way. This time of darkness and despair that we're in right now, it will not go on forever. As a world, but listen, I'll tell you that too, in your personal life, whenever you hit a time of darkness and despair, the good news is this, it will not, it, every, listen, everything you experience in this life, in this world, the good news is when it's bad, it's temporary. So y'all, um, listen. You know, I know I'm way behind on times, man. Listen, I'm I've got five grandkids, and I realize that you know, on, on culture, I am way behind the time. I was looking at several years ago that there was a big deal was that YOLO. You know, you only live once. Yeah, that's okay, brother. I didn't know. I had to look it up, and I regret I regretted looking it up because the only you only live once. It came from a rap song by some dude named Drake. I don't even know who that is either, but it was a nasty song, and I regret looking it up. I didn't read the lyrics. I just read enough to see where it said explicit, and I didn't read anymore. But anyway, so then, you know, there was a time when all the young people, when they'd do stupid stuff, they would just put hashtag YOLO. You only live once. That means they were doing something stupid. You know what? New hashtag. YOLT. You only live twice. You don't only live once. You only live twice. You live to I am born again. You see, here's the thing is that when I think about being born again, then here's the thing. My bucket list, I don't care about my bucket list. Because here's what I know, the new heaven and the new earth is going to be better than anything I can experience in this life and in this world. If I don't get to experience something in this world, the worst day in the new heaven and new earth is going to be a billion times better than the best day in this life, in this world. That's all temporary and fading. There's your new one right there, Yolt. I'll make that one up, okay? Sure, it'll be loaded in social media now, right? So he talks about this, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali to will be humble. And there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles. So interesting. Jesus didn't come only to save the Jews. If you're not Jewish, that's good news to you today. Oh, so the Gentiles, thank God. Thank God he was right there on the very precipice of Jewish land, right there close to the Gentiles. In Galilee of the Gentiles, you do realize in Isaiah when he wrote that, that offended them, Right? 
Don't put Galilee of the Gentiles. They hated Gentiles. Oh, but God came to save the whole world. That's the good news today. Emmanuel, God with the whole world. Jesus came to save the whole world. Okay, I got to read on. Which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with oh, glory. What, is, what, is, what does Christmas mean to you? Does it mean hope? Does it mean glory? Does it mean new beginnings? What does it mean to you? I hope that it means more than Christmas trees and Santa Claus and family get-togethers. Because listen, if you put your hope in anything other than God, your ultimate hope, even in your family, your good health, your job, whatever it may be, you ultimately will be disappointed sooner or later. But when your ultimate hope is in Jesus, oh man, listen, you will never be disappointed. You will never be let down. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles, that's us, the glorious wealth of, his, of this mystery. Here's the thing. Christmas to me is all about mystery. Every time I come back to marry a virgin giving birth to God, <laughs> that blows my mind. Listen, you should be, we should come back every year at this time and go, man, this blows my mind. I don't understand this. This is awesome. This is amazing. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, see, so when I think of Christmas, I think of the hope of glory. Just personally, that's what I love about Christmas. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married. So engagement in their time, it was a legal covenant relationship. So what they would do is this year that they spent apart, what they would do is they would prove their chastity. So when they came back together after a year, both of them would still be virgins. And if one of them had broken that contract, especially the woman, if she had broken the contract, then according to Jewish law, they were allowed to execute her by stoning. If she can't ended up pregnant, you see we're going with this story, right? That meant execution. And the best case scenario would be that the family, not just the husband, but the family would allow her to live. Because this covenant relationship wasn't just between the bride and the groom. It was between two families. Their marriages were arranged. They didn't pick their spouse. The families would get together and they would arrange that. All the parents are going, yes. And teenagers are going, what? Gabriel appeared to her and he said, greetings, cario right here. I mean, it makes like a cario, cario right here. It means rejoice and be glad. Favored woman. This right here is an interesting word because what is right, right here is carito right here, charito right here. Charity is where we get this word from. So it has, it has a case beginning and ending on it right here. So grace, k-charitomini. So what it means is that the one who has been favored by God, the Lord is with you. Now, I want to ask you something. Do you think that's a wonderful greeting from the angel to Mary? Rejoice and be glad. You've been favored by God. Now, let me ask you something. Are you favored by God? I'm asking you, really, are you favored by God? Here's, you hear me say this all the time. Let me, let's reframe this once again. If you are in Christ, you are favored by God. That's, how do you get favor of God? See, like if I watch the TV evangelist, they talk about being favored like, oh, you get a good parking spot. When you go shopping, you get the, the man, I'm favored by God. I got the best parking lot right up front, man. Somebody pulled out right when I was pulling in. That's not being favored by God. I mean, really, if I read the text, if I read the Bible, here's my argument. Being favored by God, you don't get a parking lot spot. That's being favored by, you got to go park a mile away and let everybody else, you become their servant, they do that, and you get blessed by getting good exercise. Now you're favored. See, our perspective is, is that my comfort is connected with my favor. And the Bible is going to show us just the opposite. So you're uncomfortable today, things not working out the way that you want them to, hey, you're favored by God. Good news today. We love being comfortable, though, don't we? Now, how comfortable does this make Mary? She's going to be pregnant now before her wedding day when she's supposed to be chased, show up on that day of chaste virgin, and she's going to show up pregnant. You see, her world just got turned upside down, right? You see, now the best that she can hope for is she will be homeless with no family and no money and pregnant. That's her best hope right now. 
That's the best you can hope for. That is a 2020 kind of Christmas, if I ever heard one. When everything you think is going to get better and all of a sudden it just gets worse. How on earth does this make logical sense to her? And maybe 12 to 14 years old. How can she step back at this moment and be like, this is the best day of my life. This is all going to be wonderful. When I go tell, I can just imagine sitting down with my family and going, good news, I'm pregnant. And the dad looking across there, what? What do you mean? Don't hold up. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. We understand that. That's great. Congratulations. My aunt, same thing happened to her. I mean, really, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, when you tell people, when she tells people, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, who is going to believe that? That is outside the, the confines of normal, right? How is it? So how can she look at it on this day and be like, oh, this is going to really work out for my best interest? Confused and disturbed, <laughs> that's, that's probably an understatement. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Bless her heart. Don't be afraid. There's that command again. Oh, man. How do we get that? Don't be. See, some of you are you're afraid right now. And look at what the Bible keeps telling us over and over. Doesn't say don't doubt, but it says don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, even though your life is fixing to get unraveled. And whenever, whenever they went to go de dedicate Jesus, do you remember what the man there said? He said that this child, because of what's going to happen to him, a sword's going to pierce your heart. So it's not anything about her being, this, this being favor has nothing to do with her being comfortable. It has quite the opposite. So I'm asking you this morning, do you want to be favored by God? <laughs> you might say and go, no, nah, not really. You know, I mean, if that's what being favored means, then I'm like that. I'll go, what? No, I won't say that. <laughs> you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him. And the Greek right here is Jesus. And here's the interesting thing. If you go walking back into first century Nazareth, and you go, hey, I want to find Jesus of Nazareth. They'd be like, what? Who? There's no Jesus in biblical time. They realize that's something we have taken this, this Greek word, put it into the Latin, and then made it into an English word. I mean, there is, there's no G. If you read a Messianic Bible, it's always going to say Yeshua. If you go walking in and you say, I want to see, see Yeshua, they'll take you right to Yeshua. It is a derivative of Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. So you're going to name him Yeshua. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, which is so vital to them because God made a promise to David, said your, your kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. How is that possible? Because Jesus is going to be in his lineage, and Jesus now, I am living in the kingdom of God right here, right now, right smack dab in the middle of Martins Mill, Texas. Right now, I'm in the middle of the kingdom of God, not by physical location, but by spiritual location. And he will, basilio right here, he will reign. Greek word basilio means to exercise authority at a royal level, be king to rule. Over Israel forever, his kingdom will never end. So let's think about this, exercise authority. Let's just think about that one Greek word for a moment. Ah, it appears a couple other places in the Bible. Therefore, do not let sin, basilio, rule and dominate and have authority over your body so that you obey its desire. Let's, do you see whose response? Do not let you in Christ. It's your responsibility. Don't let it exercise authority and rule over you. So I've heard Christians say, oh, I can't help it. The devil made me do it. I, God just knows that I'm weak. No, that isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says it's your choice. Don't let it happen. See, in Romans 5, 17, it gives us a little bit of help with this. It says, if by one man, speaking of Adam, one man's trespass, his sin, death, basilio, it reigned, it gained authority over us through this one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness, basilio, reign and rule, and ex listen, exercise authority in life through the one man Jesus. Listen, you that are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You have authority in this life, in this, you have kingdom authority. 
Adam and Eve, when they were put in the Garden of Eden, they were given kingdom authority to reign and rule over the garden, and they lost it whenever they sinned. They they gave that kingdom authority to the devil when they sinned. And the second Adam, see, the first Adam was not born of a man created by God. The second Adam was not born of a man. He is God. He is Jesus. And he came back to reestablish our kingdom authority by death dying for our sins on the cross, death, burial, and his resurrection. He has regained kingdom authority and gives it to you. You now, in Christ Jesus, you have kingdom authority to exercise over your life, over the realm that God's put you, you parents, over your children. And it only happens through prayer. It doesn't mean that you be mean and you dominate them. It's through prayer. It's through coming under the authority of Jesus and exercising your kingdom authority over your children, your life, your world. God has given that to you in Christ Jesus. Mary asked the angel, here's her question, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Notice this much. There isn't, this isn't prideful doubt. This is humble doubt. So some the big difference between her and Zachariah, Zachariah is like, I proved, how can this prove this to me? How will I know this is true? That isn't what she says. She says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. In Greek, it says, I'm not known a man. It's an idiom for the same thing there, Hebrew idiom. The angel replied, look at this. He gives her an answer. He punishes Zachariah. He can't speak. He gives her an answer because her, her doubt is humble. His is prideful. Are you tracking with me this morning, church? Somebody say amen in church. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Nobody understands that, by the way. You can go read all the theologians all day long you want to, and here's one thing, nobody understands that. That is the mystery. That is a beautiful mystery of Christmas, okay? So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. You do realize that God could have sent Jesus from heaven and not use Mary, right? But then we look at that and we'd be like, hey, how can he relate to us? He's so different from us. And, and he could have been born of a human father and a human mother, and God still could have made him divine. But then we'd been like, wait a second, they've been confusing to us. Like, what makes him so special? But you see, in the virgin birth, we can now, this thing we don't understand about him being 100% God and 100% man, that's the mystery. We don't understand that. But we see both right here that that God used a a woman to to bring this about so that he would be in the most humble circumstances possible. Why on earth would God choose to send his son into the most humble circumstances, born in a stable, in a feed trough? Why would he do that? Man, the playing field gets leveled what happens when he does that. It's not for the great people and the good people. It's for all the people. What is more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. I love that. (laughs) That's That's what people, that's the gossip that used to be about her. Everybody always talked about her. She was disgraced. Her disgrace has been removed. But she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. One of my favorite verses in the Bible right there, church. Man, if we could just get a hold of that right there. God's word will never fail. See, here we've got Mary. This, let's just say she's 13. Let's just get the This 13-year-old girl. And this angel's talking to her, and he's saying, here's the thing. Here's how it happens. Do you understand that through the Holy Spirit? No. But here's the one thing. The word of the Lord will never fail. This is God's word. So has God made you any promises? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God is for you. Those are all promises. Those promises will never fail, regardless of your circumstances. The word of God will never fail Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. Man, look at her response. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Really? I mean, that's, that's her answer? I mean, like, 
I mean, couldn't you just say, hey, yeah, yeah, that's all good, but hey, before you go, what's the next lottery number of tickets right there? Well, give me all the numbers for the lottery. Hey, but before you go, you know, what's going to happen next month in the market right there so I can kind of get an advantage right there so financially we'll be good? She didn't ask any questions about the future. She, she doesn't secure her financial future. She doesn't ask any questions to say, hey, are we all going to be okay? She just says, hey, listen, whatever. If that's your word, then whatever happens, I know one thing, you're in control and I'm not. That's mighty big from a 13-year-old girl living in a little bubble there in Nazareth. Maybe you ask why God chose her, do you think? Psalm 42, 11, why am I discouraged? You discouraged this morning? I love this. David is writing this. David says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Does it ever happen to y'all? I mean, like, so one day you wake up and you're discouraged and you don't know why. You're sad and you don't know why. Happens to me all the time. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, what? what just went wrong, man? I, I was good when I went to bed last night and I woke up this morning in a funk spiritually. What is wrong with me? Well, I don't know, but here's what I look at this. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, man. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start listening to praise music. I'm not going to live in this. I'm not going to wallow in this. I know that God, listen, I'm going to put my hope in him because I know this much, this world, listen, it is all temporary. The worse it gets, it is temporary. Man, we live in the moment like now it's eternal and it's, it's not. What you're experiencing right now is not. You're, can, you, can you just project yourself into the new heaven and the new earth for just a moment? How long are you going to be there? Can you, can you understand that? World without end? There's no time? Forever? Let me ask you a question. How long are you going to be here? Nobody knows? Maybe 80, 90, 100 years the most? What is that in comparison with forever and ever, world without end? So why are we acting like we act? Why are we doing some of the stupid things we do? Why are we YOLOing when we should be yolting? So the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. <laughs> mm. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So here's what I want to show you this. If you've never looked at this, this is an app on your phone. It's called Wild at Heart app. And it's got one section right here that changed my life. And it's called prayers. So if you're discouraged, if you feel like quitting on your marriage, if you're contemplating suicide, if you feel like quitting your job, if you feel like accidents, I talked about those accidents last week, that man, you're accident prone. It's like, man, you're just like hanging by a thread sometimes. You don't know what's happening. Then the life prayers for you. The life prayer is spiritual warfare praying for your life, for your family's life. I would highly, listen, if you came to me five years ago and you said, you told me, you said, hey, David, you know what? In five years, you're going to be spending an hour every morning reading prayers. I'd be like, crazy. I'm not going to read a prayer. That's like the most unspiritual thing you can do is read a prayer. Do that. That's because I was ignorant and stupid. God has shown me. I mean, I take these prayers and I have rewritten them and I use them as a guideline. But I want to tell you something. When I talk about learning how to pray spiritual warfare prayers, this has been the most valuable tool. So if you're serious about this and you wonder what on earth is David talking about, well, that's what I'm talking about right there. If you struggle with suicide, if your family, your children, they struggle with suicide, if you have accidents and stuff like that, then I would challenge you to this. Look at that. Just read it. Read it. See what you think. You pray that thing every morning, and here's what I know. There will be that hedge of protection around you and your children. Uh, that's an a sample of it, but I'm going too long, and some people are yawning and going to sleep, so I'm going to move on real quick. Are your doubts humble? Are they open to the possibility that God may give you a 2020 kind of answer? What's a 2020 kind of answer? 
just when you thought things were going to get better, they got worse, didn't they? <laughs> 2020 kind of answer is, is like, I'm not in control. This may, this may not be comfortable. That's a 2020 kind of answer. It's uncomfortable. Here's her prayer. Let's look, at, let's look at Mary's prayer. Let's all stand up this morning. Behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. What if I will pray this? It's a 2020 Christmas prayer. I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. I embrace your favor in Christ, and I know that nothing is impossible with you. You take a picture of that. Go ahead and grab a picture of that right quick. Let's pray that this morning. So, God, we come to you, Lord. Lord, we are your servant. God, would you say that right now in your heart? God, I'm your servant. God, I pray that your will and your word would reign over my life even if it makes me uncomfortable here and now. Listen to this. For we know that in all things God works for the good to those that love Him, to those that are called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. So God, we, I claim that promise over my life. Right now, things are not good. But I'm trusting that you're going to work all these painful things out for my ultimate spiritual good. I'm trusting you in that. I embrace your favor, even the favor of in Christ Jesus, even when it's uncomfortable, even though it may make me very uncomfortable. Even though it may make me lose everything. Jesus said, but you must be willing to lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow him. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let go of everything of this world? Paul says, Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help me to crucify my flesh, to die to myself, to my selfishness, to my pride, to my agenda, to my desire to be comfortable in this world. God, I lay everything out before you. I'm wondering if you're praying right now. Don't just listen to me. God, I lay everything, my whole life, my family, my finances, my health, my future, all before you. It's all yours, God. And God, this morning, I embrace your favor. I know that nothing is impossible with you. I place my hope in you, oh God. Confidently believing that you're faithful and that you will complete what you have begun in my life, oh Lord. So God, these next few weeks as we enter into Christmas, God, help us to remember that that first Christmas was a Christmas that was being one woman was rescued from disgrace and another woman was plummeted into disgrace. That for one person, life became more comfortable and for another person, life would never be comfortable again. God, help us with a mystery to live in that, the glory of Christ in us. That we'll be born anew this Christmas season spiritually, O oh Lord.
God bless you guys. You go ahead and have a seat. If you guys, any of you guys online, if y'all listened all the way to the end and you didn't let us know you're on, hey, just say hello. You know, all of us that are here, we may, some of us may get on later on online and see that you were there with us, that you're here with us today, even though you're online. So be sure and do that before you get off this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to Rebecca. Rebecca's got some announcements for us this morning. As you guys are preparing for your Christmas um, plans with your families, um, we are going to be having a candlelight service Christmas Eve, and that is another great way for you to bring your families and for you to ready your hearts in that fashion. So do um, plan on that if you're going to be here for the holidays. That's at 5 o'clock here at this main building. But tonight, you guys, our children's program is going to be happening five o'clock in this building. And it is always such a blessing to watch the kiddos perform. And I know it's been a blessing for my kiddos to be in it. And so if you're unable to join us in person, it will be um, live streamed as well, because I know we've got grandparents that live out of town that are excited to watch that as well. So make sure if that is something that you want to do from home, you guys at home can do that this evening as well. And just reminding that all of our Wednesday night activities, we're going to start those again next year. We're going to look forward to when that happens. And um, if you guys will go ahead and stand. Um, when we dismiss today, ushers are going to dismiss us uh, from the back going forward. And so if you guys will just patiently wait, we'll dismiss you. But we're going to close in a word of prayer. And uh, thank you guys all for being here. James Goodson, we go ahead and close us in prayer. Father God, we just uh, we come to you today. We just thank you so much for who you are and, and what you do for us. God, we just ask that you um, allow us to take this word that David prepared today. And just allow it to change us. Father, allow us to be those humble servants that your word tells us we need to be. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you just continue to be with us this week. Allow us to uh, always remember who we represent. We love you and we praise you all this in your son's name. Amen.